Hello, this podcast is part of our latest tax podcast series. I'm Ian Hyde and I head up Osborne Clark's tax disputes team. I'm joined today by Harry Harper, an associate in our tax disputes team. Today, we're going to be talking about situations where a company director can be liable in relation to a company's tax. Now, most people who become company directors will, or at least should, be familiar with their fiduciary and other regulatory duties to the company, but many are less familiar, we find, with their potential exposure to liabilities relating to tax in the UK. Now, Harry, if I am a company director in the UK, what sort of risks do I need to worry about? Well, on top of all the usual duties which directors have, they are also treated a bit differently for tax purposes. In particular, what I want to talk about today some of the scenarios where directors could be liable for the company's tax or exposed to penalties in relation to the company's tax affairs. Okay, well, just before we get into that, we're talking about directors here. So the so that would be individuals who've been um, duly appointed as such, should we? Yes, but also shadow directors. So we've got directors essentially carrying out the wishes of someone who isn't formally a director. The person whose instructions are being carried out could well be a shadow director, in which case they too may be just as exposed to these issues. Now, I would expect that liability for the company's tax or liability in some way relating to the company's tax would be a should be a huge concern, surely, for directors once they're, once they're aware of it. Absolutely. The amounts are typically enough to be financially disastrous for individual directors, but director liability is not automatic. And the circumstances in which a director can be liable are limited to specific areas, but it's important directors are aware of it. Okay, so what taxes could a director end up being liable for and in what circumstances? The common theme is typically where a company has been assessed a tax, hasn't paid it, and there's an express statutory provision in place that allows HMRC to recover the tax from others, including a director of the company that owed the tax. I'll just highlight a few of them in the time we have. But first are those involving a cross-border element. If you have a non-resident company with corporate corporation tax due on a chargeable gain, as under sections 2B3 and 4 of the Taxation of Chargeable Gains Act 1992, for example, the charge and gains and disposals of UK assets connected to the company's UK permanent establishment, and the company doesn't pay all or part of the tax within six months, then HMRC can seek to recover the tax from a controlling director of the taxpayer or of a company controlling the taxpayer, or from someone who was in that position in the 12 months before the gain arose. Similarly, if a non-UK resident company degroups, then there's an unpaid tax liability. A controlling director could be made liable. If a company changes residence from UK resident to non-resident and doesn't make arrangements to ensure payment of any anticipated UK liabilities, the director of the migrating company or its controlling company can be held liable. I haven't covered everything. There are some examples, such as for PAYE, managed service companies, and SDLT. And what about insolvency situation? That must be a common area where the revenue might find themselves out of pocket and be looking for other targets to recover the tax from. Yes, that's right. Historically, it's been a real problem for HMRC who, of course, are typically a major creditor for an insolvent company. Recently, rules were introduced which make it easier for HMRC to go after directors where an insolvent company owes tax. However, the precise situations in which they can do so are, are limited. Firstly, the unpaid tax has got to be a result of tax avoidance or tax evasion. In this particular context, avoidance schemes mean something called by either the disclosure of tax avoidance schemes or DOTA's regime, 
which means it's a particular scheme that's been notified to HMRC, or a scheme caught by GAR, which would be a scheme at the more aggressive end of the spectrum. Another gateway for avoidance is where the company gets a follower notice. So that would mean there's a tax advantage based on a particular scheme or point of principle that's been conclusively defeated in another case. As a director, you'd only be caught by these rules if you're somehow involved in the company entering into the scheme. Likewise, with any tax evasion conduct for the liability to be transferred to a director, the director's really got to have been involved in some way. Although bear in mind that involvement in this sense can potentially include passive involvement, such as turning a blind eye or, or just tolerating bad behaviour. Okay, so, so it's unlikely directors in going in, inadvertently going to get caught by debt transfer and these rules. If they can make sure the company is steering clear of aggressive tax avoidance and evasion. Yes, that's right. Uh, the other thing to add is that the company has got to be in an insolvency procedure or there's a serious risk that it will be. And does it matter if the underlying tax liability hasn't been conclusively established? It's a good question. Strictly speaking, no. There need only be a likely liability to HMRC, but clearly it's a lot more difficult for HMRC in situations where the liability is still up in the air. But if the company is insolvent and the liquidator doesn't challenge the tax liability or pursue an appeal against it and so on, can the director challenge it? Yes, there's a specific provision that allows the director to effectively step into the company's shoes for the purposes of any appeal in those circumstances. I just want to mention national insurance briefly as well. There's a separate regime, of course, for national insurance. And one feature in particular, which directors ought to be aware of, is the revenues power to issue what are called personal liability notices or PLNs. This enables the revenue to transfer a national insurance debt onto a director if they can show that the failure to pay national insurance was due to fraud or neglect by the director. So just focusing on neglect for now, in practice, the revenue have indicated they would only pursue a director in cases of what they call serious neglect. Obvious question here. What does serious neglect mean? <laughs> well, it's a failure to pay that's got to be attributable to the neglect. HMRC give various examples of serious neglect in this context. And typically it'd be things like not paying any national insurance for the whole period of trading or non-payment over a prolonged period of time or making payments to directors instead of paying the national insurance. The revenue are also much more likely to go down this route where you have a Phoenix company or if you were clearly favouring other creditors to the to the detriment of HMRC. Are you talking here about neglect by the company or the actual director in question? There needs to be fraud or neglect on part of one of the directors and HMRC should attribute any personal liability according to the level of culpability. So in principle, you have a situation where only one director say the CFO is held responsible for the unpaid national insurance, the revenue might well argue that other directors were partly to blame too. For example, if they just didn't keep on top of things that were going on when they should have done so. Okay, just to be clear, there is no general principle that tax or national insurance is recoverable from a director. It's the exception rather than the rule. That's that's right. There's got to be a clear statutory basis for HMRC to be able to go after a director in this way. Like the instance we've just been talking about, and even if the revenue can pursue a director, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will. The revenue will look at the prospects of actually getting any money in from a director. Behavioural issues will, of course, also be a factor. So putting it very generally, whether or not HMRC think the director is some way complicit in the fact that tax has been unpaid. Okay. And okay, so we were looking so far on directors being on the hook for the company's unpaid tax, but what about penalties? Well, just just to recap, 
penalties will only arise when there's been a careless, i.e. negligent conduct or deliberate conduct by the company, or there's been a failure to notify of some sort. Where there's been a, when there's been deliberate conduct, then HMRC can impose a personal liability notice in respect of the penalty. And remember, that penalty could be substantial as much as the tax itself. The revenue would have to show that the matter giving rise to the penalty was attributable to the director or directors, and that either the director has attempted to gain personally from the offence, or that the company is or is likely to become insolvent. So it isn't something that an honest and diligent director should find themselves on the receiving end of, but it, but it's worth noting the risk. Quite, yes. Now, uh, just, just to mention it, some people, some listeners may be thinking about um, the senior accounting officer rules. Um, how do they fit in? Yes, um, senior accounting officer is broadly the director who, in the company's reasonable opinion, has overall responsibility for the company's financial accounting arrangements. The SAO has a duty to ensure that the company takes reasonable steps to maintain appropriate tax accounting arrangements. So does that mean making sure the company is filing its tax returns on time and accurately and paying paying the tax due? Well, it's actually a bit more detailed than that. The SAO regime looks at the underlying processes that a company should have in place so that ultimately the company files its returns correctly and pays the right tax. The SAO is potentially personally liable for a penalty of up to £5,000 if they fail to comply with their SAO duties. But this isn't something that all companies need to be worried about, is it? No, the SAO regime applies only to large companies. In this context, that means in the previous financial year, the company, or its UK group, had a turnover over £200 million or gross assets over £2 billion. So we're only looking at large businesses here. Well, I think um, SAO... Uh, would merit a podcast um, on its own right. So um, I, I don't think we can cover that today. Uh, I think for companies that it seems to me that don't fall into that regime, though, it's still important to get the tax right, not not least to prevent secondary liability for tax or penalties uh, on directors, such as those uh, we've been uh, discussing. Uh, thank you, Harry. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for now. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>